Welcome to the TCO Method, the only show focused on helping you massively increase your net operating income. I am Andy McQuaid. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Thursday episode of the program. Today, we're going to talk about everybody's favorite topic, which is budgets. How to influence those, how to control those to make sure that you're able to deliver your product whether it's commercial, whether it's residential, whether it's multifamily commercial, on time, in budget, at the right quality. For those of you tuning in for the first time, welcome to the show. TCO stands for Total Cost of Ownership. And so we try to look at things a little bit differently. We try to take everything under the longer term scope of how long am I going to have this property before I sell it? And for those of you who've been listening for a while, you already know this is a slightly different show. It's just me. I tell stories and run my mouth for a half hour. Hopefully somebody gets some value from it. I want to thank everybody who's just tuning in for the first time for doing so. You can email the program at podcast at tcomethod.com. You can find this podcast pretty much anywhere, including on YouTube. So if you want to watch instead of just listening, you can do that. YouTube.com slash at TCO method. There's a little podcast tab when you go there and it'll put them all in order so you can see it. And there'll be other content coming up on the show soon. I'm going to do the occasional interview episode again with guests that can help you make more money or help you keep more money. They'll be run as specials. So you'll still get my face and my voice coming at you twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. But we'll do a specials episode that'll come out on like a Saturday, most likely, just to break it up. And it'll be an interview with somebody in the real estate industry who has spent time successfully managing projects, value-add stuff that has found ways to max out their NOI, people who specialize in insurance, cost segregation, taxes, you name it. I mean, who doesn't want to learn the secrets of a really good tax assessment challenge expert, right? So we're going to try to bring some of those people on if they're willing. And we'll talk to operators who focus on NOI every day for their investors, for their owners, for their peace of mind. And maybe we'll even bring on some maintenance, maintenance people, people who've been doing it for years and found tricks and tips in the field to help them save time, save money, be more efficient, drive dollars, get promoted, be a hero, whatever that looks like. So specifically, let's talk about the value-add rehab of a multifamily apartment building or complex that can take years, honestly, in some cases, if you're doing a couple hundred units. In tertiary markets, with the way labor is right now, 
with some of the supply chain bottlenecks and just the fact that it seems like a lot of dealers and suppliers are dragging their feet and blaming things that are out of their control. We need to focus on how to maximize what you're going to get inside your budget and how you're going to make it happen on time without using junk. So what does that process look like? Well, in the last episode, we talked a little bit about vendor relationships, right? Vendor management, vendor scorecards, how to negotiate with them for a positive outcome, a win-win on both sides. The other, I guess, pieces need to be working for you. So your budget, number one, needs to be realistic. If you know that the price of labor is higher and you know the price of materials are high and climbing, why would you not account for that in your budget? Are you living in fantasy land? It's 2023. While it's great to hope for the best case scenario, if you base your books and your budget on the best case scenario in fantasy land, in the world of the idealist, you're probably going to be really disappointed. Last time I checked, nothing is getting cheaper except for lumber. That's the first thing. The second thing is you need to figure out how to keep your prices in that budget and minimize your labor expense around that budget. And your budget needs to be based on total cost of ownership, which means that you need to have standards built, product selections built for both quality of work and product selections. Well, why does that matter? Quality of work should be non-negotiable at all times because you don't want to have to do something twice because somebody screwed it up. Because nine times out of ten, the guy you're going to use to do project X, Y, or Z is going to have the tail light warranty. Meaning that as soon as you pay that guy and he's done with the project and he leaves, his warranty is good until you can't see his taillights anymore. Okay? Product selections are important for a couple reasons. One is curb appeal. Whatever you're using, you want to make sure you can replace later and have whatever you replace look the same. So two years from now, if you have something that goes bad, you want to make sure you can put the same thing that's there now in. The other reason you want standards outside of curb appeal is you want to make sure that you're picking and using products consistently. So your maintenance shop or your supply room or your whatever has one product on the shelf instead of 20. You want to make sure that you know what the quality of that product is so you can control at least a little bit what your maintenance outlay over one, two, five, seven, ten years is going to be. Being able to predict your cash flow is a good thing. So we're talking about budgets. Budgets include reserves. Budgets include CapEx. Good information and good realistic data on the products you are using can help you project 
when you're going to need to do projects under CapEx and what those could cost you and definitely what it's going to cost you if you cheap out and have to start doing maintenance at year two or three and then continuously over time for the rest of the time you own that asset. When you're picking your standard products, your selections, that you know that that vendor is going to stand by the product and honor whatever warranty there is on it because you're going to keep track of it. You're not just going to buy an appliance and if it dies in six months, buy another appliance and throw the old one away. You might buy another new appliance that matches the original and put that in to take care of your tenant quickly, but you're going to take the old one and put it somewhere in storage in your shop, in your garage, someplace, and have the manufacturer fix that thing for free so you can use it again somewhere else. You want to make sure parts are going to be available. When you go into new construction, when you work on projects, typically they have a spec. And they write that spec for a lot of reasons. Some of it relates to their vendors, some of it relates to their warranties, policies, their usage and care manuals that they hand out, whatever it is. But they have a spec, especially in built for rent, low income housing, apartment complex builds. They have a detailed spec thing. This is the brand of appliance. Here's the model numbers. Here's the colors. Here are the light fixtures. Here's the brand. Here's the model numbers. Here are possible vendors you could get it from. And I've worked on projects with spec books that are a thousand pages long that go into detail on every single item there. Now, 97% of the time, no one reads them and it becomes a race to the bottom. And then only when something goes wrong, does the phone call from the owner or the GC get made to the sub that installed it. And then there's lawsuits and messes and all sorts of craziness. And usually vendors get dragged in because nobody wants to eat it. They're going to blame the vendor, blah, blah, blah. It's a hot mess. But for you, you need to be able to quantify all those things we've talked about in every other episode. What problem does this solve? What cost does this help me avoid? How does this affect my risk management policy? How does this affect my compliance policy? What is this going to do for my maintenance outlay? What is this going to do for the amount of money I'm spending on my utilities? What is it going to do for my water use? What's this going to do for my tenants? Is it going to make them happy or is it going to annoy them? How many calls am I going to get at the office because I used this instead of this? These are all things that should play into the decision-making process when you're establishing a budget. So all those episodes where I said, your budget is wrong, most of the time that's true because your budget has been established by the last 60 years of business operations focusing on the race to the bottom, putting the cheapest product in you can to do the job without looking at what that means for you three and five and seven and 10 years down the line. So when you're talking to your vendors, you want to make sure that you know what the product is going to cost today, what that product is going to cost in a month, what that product is going to cost in six months, 
what it's going to cost in a year. And you want that number to be the same, ideally. And in some cases, it can be, right? The nice part about interiors is a lot of the stuff that's used is non-commodity. What's a commodity? Commodity is stuff like lumber, like oil, where the market changes the value, the price, every day or every week or every month. I can tell you right now that the big players, they lock prices on certain things and they don't take price increases from their vendors unless there's a rider and an escalator and some other stuff in, in the, the contract. But the point is, you shouldn't be doing it either. You should be working with a vendor that will give you a fixed price for a period of time. And then if they're going to raise the price, they need to give you notice and they need to cap that increase at a certain percentage. Sherwin-Williams is famous for this. When raw materials are climbing, they will notify all of their clients if they're on special pricing, if they're on pre-negotiated contracts for fixed pricing for their paint or whatever, they will, in that clause, in that section of the contract, they will put, we reserve the right to increase our prices by 5% up to two times in the next 12 months. We will give you 30 days notice or 60 days notice or 90 days notice prior to this increase happening on your account, at which point you will pay 5% extra. And then we can't, we can't activate the second 5% for another 30, 60, 90, 120 days, whatever it is. But you can still end up with both of those 5% increases hitting your account within a 12-month period of time. The other thing standard products are going to do for you is give you buying power. It's a lot easier to negotiate when you know what you're going to buy and how much of something you're going to buy. Part of the reason is because that gives your supplier, whoever it is, the ability to go and negotiate a better price for themselves with the vendor, as well as to ensure that their supply chain, the quantity of materials you're going to require to complete your project is available to them. Because when a project goes sideways because of unavailable materials, that problem rolls downhill from the GC to the sub, from the sub to the vendor, from the vendor to the manufacturer, and suddenly... No one wants to own that problem, but it's everybody's problem. And it really comes down to communicating what you need. Like we talked about in the last episode, communicate what you need up front. Make sure your vendor's aware how much you're going to take, how often you're going to take it, how you want it delivered, how it needs to be handled, and what your price comes down to be for you, the end user or your, the property, is going to be hopefully something that makes both the vendor and yourself, if not happy, satisfied. The best negotiation is one where nobody leaves with everything they want. When you're doing your budget, all the things that can go sideways should be at least accounted for in some way. Like, it's great to walk into an apartment in a complex and say, listen, I've got studios and one beds and two beds and three beds or, you know, two bed and two bath or two bed, one bath, whatever. I've got 
five different floor plans, six different floor plans and, you know, eight different square footages, however, however that works out, but I'm going to set a budget for turns for these of $15,000 a door, right? A little low for today, but let's just say $15,000 a door is what your budget is. Now, if you're a mature org with an established procurement function, you should know who your vendors are, what you're paying for each product, what the lead times are, how they function, what their impact is to your bottom line for maintenance over time, who does the best job with fulfillment, all that stuff. If you have the same standards everywhere across your entire portfolio, well, that makes the job easy for your subs and for your maintenance people because they've already been trained on how to use and operate within the, the scope of whatever these standardized products are. Seems like it should all work out, right? The problem is that I've seen just as many value-add projects go completely sideways as have been successful because maintenance has one set of standards because maintenance is internal to the company and construction, renovation, value-add rehab is operated by outside companies who supply their own products, which means that they're buying the product from wherever they're buying it from. You, as the end user, are now subject to their delays on product not arriving because it's out of your control, and they're marking you up. I encourage a hybrid purchasing model for all of my clients, which means centralized standards centralized purchasing for capex reno and rehab so you can keep a thumb on it and make sure your supply chain is operating correctly decentralized on maintenance so that each property can operate their purchasing as needed for whatever repairs and maintenance they have to actually execute but they are still beholden to the product selections and standards of the parent company in the main office. Data is your friend. We've said this before. Visibility and understanding will save you a ton of money. Also, you will leverage your buying power by having your entire supply chain, all of your vendors, treat you as one entity with many locations, as opposed to many locations with many entities. A lot of these vendors actually try to force a separation between parent companies and individual LLCs for properties because they make more margin. But back to budgets, this stuff all matters. Having control of your standards, your supply chain, and your materials matters. So if you've got a $15,000 per door budget, that includes your labor and materials. You really want fixed price on materials. You really want to be aware of price increases, but you also want to be working with your vendors to pre-plan your project to make sure they've got the stuff for you. Oh, and if you're doing multifamily, it would be really sweet if those vendors would take all the stuff you're buying from them. If you have four vendors or five vendors, everything that they are supplying for that unit turn, that upgrade, they should all be coming broken out by the unit, by the door, 
into whatever you need to complete that particular phase of the project. If that means your supplier has to come out and walk and do takeoffs for every single type of unit, every single floor plan, and every single square footage, they should be glad to do that. They should be providing you a fixed price for as long as possible, ideally for the whole project. But if it's a multi-year project, that's a tough nut to, to crack. So quarterly, six month, whatever, your pricing needs to be predictable and you need to be able to account for that in your budgetary planning. Go out long enough and there shouldn't be an excuse as to why a particular product isn't available. Because if you're communicating with your supplier, your supplier should be communicating with their suppliers and the manufacturers they buy from and figuring out if something isn't going to be available before it becomes an issue for you. So there's a lot of proactive communication that has to happen. And when you're just purchasing stuff a few days before you need it to use it, yeah, that doesn't go well. I think people learned that during the pandemic, but a lot really haven't. I still get phone calls that are like, hey, uh, so you know anybody at this place? Because I need three of these and uh, I'm being told I can't get them until January of 2024. Find a substitute because I can't help you. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is not a problem I can fix for you. Sorry, I, I'm, I, I cannot put band-aids on stuff overnight. It just doesn't happen. Not unless you want to pay through the nose. When you're negotiating with whatever vendor you're going to use for a project, part of the package should be, I know I'm going to need 600 of these and 400 of these and 300 of those and 100 of those and 66 million square feet of XYZ. And here's how I want it. If I buy these from you, I want a fixed price every time. I want all the materials to be bundled and taken into each individual unit so it's there when the subs walk in the door. Mr. Subcontractor, I don't want you buying any product whatsoever. You supply your tools, your cleaning supplies, that kind of stuff that's overhead. But if it's going in my units, I'm buying it. So I have full control of the warranty. So I have full control of the quality. So I know what I'm getting and making sure that I'm not finding out that something was done wrong or that an improper product was used a year from now when things start going sideways. I will pay you more money because I know that you make money and mark me up on materials. Yes, I know that if you're not buying materials, you're going to impact your relationship with your suppliers, but I want you on this job for a year or two. So I will supply the stuff, and you will supply the labor. I will pay you this much more on the labor to make up for the margin you're losing from not supplying product. I will pay you this much per door, whatever it happens to be. If you want to be paid per unit type, square footage of floor plan, whatever it is, we'll figure that out. But I want it to be a fair price because I am now going to handle all the logistics and all the material supplies. And if there's a delay because something isn't there, that's not on you. Now, if things start disappearing and being stolen, that will be on you. I mentioned in the last episode that you have to make sure that there is an agreement at the beginning that if you're supplying the product, they're on the hook for missing stuff. This will minimize theft and loss. Yes, it adds a step at the beginning, but it saves you money over time. And if everybody's cards are on the table, if all the expectations are level set, the problems will be minimized. But again, negotiation, planning, systems, transparency, expectations. But your subs should love it. <laughs> 
because they're not on the hook unless they screw up. They're not on the hook for finding material, getting it there on time, coordinating deliveries, meeting trucks, all that stuff. It's all been done. You buy the material, you make sure it's in the unit before they show up. And that takes care of a lot of their issues. This goes back to the who's on your team, how much is your time worth. It can't be the race to the bottom, cutting corners and hiring the cheapest labor and buying the cheapest stuff. Because that works for a year or two. And then you have to pay the piper. You get what you pay for. Your budget for your turns, your standards, your specs, should encompass the TCO method of minimizing long-term costs to operate that stuff. But it needs to tie in directly to what your business plan is for that property. If your disposition plan is to unload the property in two years, you don't care. We're probably going to have to continue this later. Please, if you appreciated anything in this podcast, please like it, leave a review, share it, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to it, YouTube, subscribe, please. Leave me a comment. If anything I said ticks you off, or if you want to say, hey, I agree with this, or tell me a cool story about something you did, podcast at tcomethod.com. I would love to mention it on the show. Unless you're Bob in Miami, and then I don't know how to help you. Just kidding. Love you, Bob. You're the man. Thanks for listening in Miami. Apparently, somebody listened to three episodes in Aruba. So whoever you are that was on vacation in Aruba, I am extremely jealous. I love Aruba. It's my favorite freaking island. It is a great time. If you have not been there, I suggest you go there. But like, subscribe, comment, send me an email, spread the word. I appreciate you listening. I want you to have a great day. Go out and do some real estate, do some networking, attend at least one networking event a week in your industry with your peers. And don't hang out with losers because they're just going to drag you down. Have a great weekend.